All right, we are continuing our message series in the Gospel of Mark today. This whole series has been called Life Starts Now. Uh, just trying to capture these this kind of essential, fast-paced uh, book that Mark wrote. It's the shortest gospel of the four gospels. Uh, Mark doesn't spend time telling us about the birth narrative. He just jumps into the ministry and life of Jesus. And um, we're continuing in that right now. Now, if you were, uh, we're going to be in chapter 10, so if you've got a Bible, I invite you to start finding that now. If you were with us last week, last Sunday, uh, we left off with the, the wealthy man sadly turning down the invitation to sell everything that he had and follow Jesus. And I hope that that episode has you wrestling, uh, you know, with what adventure Jesus might be calling you into. I know it has for me, uh, with some interesting conversations around our, our house uh, this week. Jesus can be accepted, Jesus can be rejected, but he cannot be ignored. If you're a thinking person at all, if, you're, if you've got a conscience, Jesus cannot be ignored in your life. He can be accepted or rejected, but you can't ignore him. So following that encounter with the, the rich man, Jesus continued with his followers toward Jerusalem telling them for a third and final time that he was going to be, you know, arrest, betrayed, arrested, uh, killed, and then raised to life again. And again, you know, unless you think this whole book is a fairy tale, the Bible, and that may be true, you may believe that, but if you don't believe the whole thing's a fairy tale, you need to, you need, well, even if you do, you need to wrestle with that process. Three times Jesus says what's going to happen. And it happens. And there's there's too many eyewitnesses. There's too many people alive at the time of this writing for Mark to get away with a phony story. There's, there's, there's too much evidence and too many eyewitnesses. And so you've got to grapple with that reality. I've got an issue with my microphone here today. I apologize. Let me see if I can make it so that it's not going to do that. Okay, can you still hear me? Are we all right? Um, so geographically, let me give you a little lay of the land as to what's happening. The process here is Jesus is moving. We're, we're approaching the final week of Jesus' life. So if you read back a little bit, now this is the way Mark lays it out. Let me just say that there's a lot of scholars think that Mark tended to patch different episodes together to create his narrative. So these aren't necessarily chronological, but Mark's building a case for who Jesus is and what he's about. But according to Mark, this has been the, the path, starting way at the top of Capernaum in the north north end of the Sea of Galilee. He's been making his way down. Uh, he makes kind of comes all crosses the, the Jordan River. He's on the east side of the Jordan, which would today be the country of Jordan. He comes down and then back come, cuts across at uh, what's the likely, you know, area where he was baptized. And... Um, if you go to Israel today, you can visit that very spot. You can be baptized. The river today is only maybe from here to that wall. It's not very wide. Uh, and then moving on through Jericho and then ascending up into Jerusalem. And um, if you've ever been... How many of you have been on a Holy Land tour of some kind before? Yeah, so you'll you'll remember being on the bus as the bus comes. Probably you came that, that route down 
probably you would have come down the west side of the Jordan River and then you uh, went down to the Dead Sea and then you came up and you zoomed around that road and then as you're entering Jerusalem, the bus driver plays Jerusalem, Jerusalem, da, 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 that song, kind of a classic song and it gets very emotional and the tears are starting to come. I mean, it's this very beautiful kind of approach into the city. Wow, my singing really upset somebody. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I love the sound of kids, so never feel bad about having kids in the service, but I'll try to lay off the bad singing. Um, and so then now along this road, Jesus and, and the others who are with him encounter someone who needs and wants his help. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, let's find Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52. And as you find that, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 46. It says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, so now they were through Jericho on the way up to Jerusalem, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, that's son of Timaeus, heard, uh, uh, was sitting beside the row. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, Tell him to come here. And so they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Verse 51, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. Let's be seated together. Amazing. I think living in California, uh, not just Fresno, but it seems like almost anywhere in, in California, I think we can pretty easily envision the panhandler sitting on the curb, begging, asking for money, expecting people to, to give him something. It's a pretty common sight for us. Um, and maybe we can't, quite relate, though, to the the desperation of this man's situation. Just think about it. They don't have all the social services that we have. There's no American Disabilities Act guaranteeing access to, to every place and every, you know, services that, that would be available. He's He is completely dependent on the charity of strangers every day, each and every day. And sometimes we look at someone like that and we just think they're sort of a kind of worthless kind of not having very much value as a person because they're just a beggar but this man is not clueless he's not dumb he's well aware of what's going on he's been paying attention for a while now he's heard about this Jesus character he's this this new rabbi he's heard about the healings and the teachings and the miracles. And he recognizes Jesus is no ordinary teacher. Bartimaeus is a, a seeker of truth. And while he cannot physically see, he sees spiritually better than most. And in truth, I would say a lot of people miss Jesus because they're only looking with their eyes physical eyes. And so they see 
maybe Christians who have lived hypocritically and they, they write off Jesus or they see how they've been hurt for, by the church or they see what appear to be contradictions in the Bible and they just dismiss it, they disregard, they ignore. And maybe that describes you, maybe that's a situation you're in today, you're just, yeah, it just doesn't really, just seems kind of all far-fetched to you, but eh, nice people, but I'm just not into that. Maybe you feel like you've just seen too much to to put your faith in Jesus. But I want you to consider this Bartimaeus who developed spiritual sight. And I, I think he had probably spent a lot of time thinking about Jesus as he's sitting there day after day and he, he's he's got it dialed in. He's figured out that Jesus is a what he calls son of David. You know, that's a that's a title of Jesus reserved for for the Messiah. And so he he grasped that there's something about Jesus that's important. He's from God. Maybe he was thinking about maybe he was thinking back to his you know his days in Sabbath school as a kid and 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 think about this this prophecy from Isaiah eleven. Isaiah is a you know chapter a book in the Old Testament, a important prophet. And uh, maybe you think about this out of Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Out of the stump of David's family. In other words, a son of David. David was was... Kind of the great king in Israel's history. He was the second king of the nation, but he was really the one uh, who who coalesced the nation, the one who uh, expanded the nation's reach, the one uh, that everyone even today would point to kind of the, the ultimate national hero for the nation of Israel. No one yet fully understood who Jesus was or what his present presence meant there in the world, including blind Bartimaeus. But again, he could see that Jesus was not just another good teacher, but truly from God. And I, I think what gets me in this account more than anything else is Bart's optimism, right? His fortitude, his determination. He, he had an expect, expectation of a miracle. You know, if you look back to verse 47, right? When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth nearby, he began to shout, Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, have mercy on me. Getting their attention. Now, now there's a crowd around Jesus. And these are happy people. These are pilgrims. These are people on their way into Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So everybody's in a good mood. They're happy. They're noisy. They're probably singing songs. It's loud. It's bustling. There's kids running around. There's animals. I mean, this is a big deal. And and yet Bartimaeus raises a ruckus above all those noisy people. And, And then he gets an invitation Hey, Jesus says, bring him over here. Tell him to come here. Bartimaeus jumps up, verse 50. Jumps up, threw aside his coat, and he came to Jesus. Some, I think you may have heard, if you've heard of this preached on before, you may have heard a kind of a dialogue about what that coat represents and kind of throwing off his old identity and throwing off his past. That could be. 
Mark does mention specifically that that happens. But you can really see this picture. He's like, up, boom. This guy had problems, but attitude was not one of them. Attitude was not his issue. Expectation wasn't a barrier for him. He, he didn't play the victim. He didn't come to Jesus with a long face. He wasn't blaming others. He, he wasn't living in powerlessness. He was ready to respond. I would say this. This is the, really the win for Bartimaeus is that he didn't spend his days pondering his problem, but he, he built an expectation for the miraculous in his life. And that's all of us. I mean, you know, we can spend our days just thinking about all the things that are wrong. We can be negative. We can complain. This isn't going to work. That's going sideways. Oh, this will never come through. Oh, I just, I'm always going to be in debt. Oh, I'm just, I can't ever get past these problems. I've got these health issues, whatever it is. Or you can build an expectation for the miraculous work of God in your life. Yeah, I've got some issues, but I expect God to come through. Because what happens is you build that expectation in your life. You find yourself yielding more and more to the work of God. Where you're willing to say, God, whatever you want to do, I'm good with that. You're building this expectation. God's going to do something. I don't know what it is. It may not even be what I'm hoping for, what I want, what I'm asking for. But as I yield and surrender my life, I'm watching God at work. So I can think about all my problems or I can think about, what's God going to do with this one? What's, how's God going to handle this situation? So it's a simple story. It's brief. It's to the point, And it's amazing. And I think it poses at least three really good questions for us. So I'm going to ask three questions. The first is this. Do you know what you want from Jesus? Do you know what you want? We get this question in verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus is an answer. So, I don't know. Well, whatever, whatever you think, Jesus, like, I, I don't know. No, he knows. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. It's very clear what he wants. I like asking this question when we pray for people. What do you want Jesus to do for you today? I'm often surprised by the answer. I'm often surprised by the answer. What do you want from Jesus? Do you know what you want from Jesus? It's not as easy an answer. It's, it's not as easy a question to answer as you might, might think it is. Jesus has all the power in the universe, but he's not a, a genie in a lantern. So you really want to think about it. You know, I'm reminded of the story of these three guys. Have you heard about this? These three guys, they got stranded on an island. You know, um, Tom Hanks style. Probably one of them was Tom Hanks. Never go on vacation with Tom Hanks. You're going to end up on a pirate ship or a deserted island. So these three guys are stranded on this deserted island. And it's been a while. And they're they're getting along. But, man, it's they really want to go home. And one day this little lantern washes up on shore and... One of the guy finds it and he kind of cleans it a little bit. And sure enough, boom, this genie pops out of this lantern. And the genie says, I have three wishes to grant. So because there's three of you, each of you gets one wish. And the first guy's like, oh man, I wish I could just go home and be with my family. And poof, he's gone. He disappears. And the next guy says, yeah. 
Well, I wish I was home with my family with a million dollars in the bank. Poof, he's gone and he's home. And the last guy's there and he goes like, oh, this is a hard decision. I, I wish that my friends were back here. Do you know what you want? Have you thought it through? Have you processed that? All right. What is established in the story is that Bartimaeus had faith. See, not everyone Jesus healed appeared to have real faith of their own. Sometimes it's actually the faith of others that gets someone to Jesus and Jesus responds in their, their faith. But Bartimaeus was full of faith. And I think it's a, it's worth discerning this in your own life to ask yourself, if I had the faith to trust Jesus, what would I be asking for? If, let's just imagine I had the faith to really ask Jesus, what would I be asking for? Do you know what you want? Because then begin to ask. Maybe part of your question is, Jesus, like we looked at a few weeks ago, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, take my partial faith and make it full faith. So we know Bartimaeus had faith in part because of how he got to Jesus. That's part of the evidence of his faith. He, he, he made a scene, let's be honest. Right? He was loud. He's so noisy that the people around him are actually embarrassed. Right, you see, you see it there in verse verse forty eight. People are like, dude, shut up, quiet. It says many people told him to be quiet, not just one or two. Many people said, dude, enough already. Can't well, you can't see. Can't you tell the guy's busy? We just be quiet. You're making a scene. You're embarrassing us. Here's the question. Are you willing to make a scene? I mean, if you know what you want and you're getting to Jesus, are you willing to embarrass yourself? Are you willing to make a scene? Are you willing to ignore the critics in your life? Ignore your peers, the ones who say, don't be such a fanatic. Don't be such a Jesus freak. Don't be so religious. Right? Are you willing to embarrass yourself in your approach to Jesus? Something just... Just simply willingness to engage at a deeper level with Jesus. Willing to put up with some inconvenience. Willing to say no to something so that you can say yes to Jesus. This last month you heard me flogging the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And again, look, we don't earn our approval with God. Don't, don't hear me say that. But there is something about making an effort to get to those places where Jesus can speak into our lives. This year, if you didn't get to any of the 21 uh, nightly prayer and worship services around the city, I want you to mark in your calendar next year in those first three weeks of January, I'm going to get to at least one of those citywide services where you're going to gather with two, three, four, five hundred people from across the city. Everybody in that room wants to be there, so it's super fun to be in that place. Worship's just awesome. The teaching's great. There's not even really a whole lot of teaching. Just prayer and worship together. Get yourself in those places. Be willing to embarrass yourself, to humble yourself, 
Maybe, maybe on Sundays you think, for example, well, I, you know, Christy, you mentioned that the prayer team today and maybe they really were AWOL. I, I couldn't see them back there, but we have them every week, right? And maybe you think, well, I, I want to go get prayer, but, ah, uh, but I'm, I'm too embarrassed to walk across and, and go get prayed for. Worried about what people are going to think about you. Or, or you see that person in the worship service and they're, they're raising their hands and singing and you think, I, well, I'd like to be that uninhibited, but I'm scared. I'm embarrassed. And that person is no different from you, except that they've chosen not to care about what other people might think. And honestly, you don't think less of that person, so why would anybody think less of you? You see what I mean? Like this willingness to say, I'm going to do something else, a little bit uncomfortable, to yield myself more fully to what Jesus wants to do in my life, wants to speak into my life, how he wants to move into my life. I'll share just a, you know, something that's a little bit heavy on my heart. You, you, if you've been around here for a few years, you know, I used to more often invite you to the front for a response time at the end of the service. And quite frankly, I, I don't really do that anymore because we tend to be a people that are scared to embarrass ourselves a little bit and respond. Don't be surprised if I start doing that again and give you those opportunities in that way. Why would I do that? Why would we create ways to physically respond to Jesus? I don't mean just like, well, I'm responding in my heart. I know, I get it, we all are. I mean with your body, getting up out of our seats, with our body, reach, you know, reaching our hands and, and yield and surrender to Jesus, like the Bible says to do, quite honestly. We're told to raise our hands in worship and prayer. We're told to clap. We're, why would? Why is that important? Because there's something about humbling myself before God and before people that kind of opens my heart to what God wants to do there. It's really profound when I say, God, I'm, I'm going to stop caring about what other people think. So that there's... It just spreads it open for God to work. Bartimaeus was well aware that his condition was was not that great. And he had no hope for improvement. It wasn't like there's new technology that was really going to help him. He, This was an all or nothing moment for him. He's thought about this Jesus rabbi person and now Jesus is coming through. And, and I should, I should point this out too, that Bartimaeus could have done the easy thing and just stay there sitting and just say, well, I just, you know, I'll just trust Jesus in my heart. Especially on this day. This day, this whole week for him was like the, like this was the big money week for the beggars. I mean, think about it. All these people are coming from all over the nation. Coming into Jerusalem, they're, they're carrying cash, they're excited, they're coming to worship God, they want to, you know, have favor with God by giving alms to the poor. I mean, this is the week the beggars make bank. So he might just be thinking, I make a lot of money this week. I could try to get to Jesus later. But Bart, knew what he wanted 
And he was willing to make the sacrifice and willing to make a scene to get to Jesus. And he didn't care that people told him to settle back down in your place. You're just a blind beggar, dude. Just settle, settle down. Just stay where you are. You've had people in your life tell you, you're just a whatever. You're just a this. You're just a that. Just He didn't care about any of that. He pressed through. He was tired of the label. He was sick and tired of being sick and tired, as we say in recovery. And he, he wanted more than anything to get an answer from Jesus, the son of David. Are you willing to embarrass yourself? Are you willing to, to make a scene if need be? Now, obviously, we, we love that Jesus healed Bartimaeus. That's certainly the high point of this episode. Verse 52 records this. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. And he followed Jesus down the road. Here's my third and final question. Because I don't want you to miss this last phrase. And he followed Jesus down the road. Notice Jesus says, go, your faith healed you. He's got a decision. He followed Jesus down the road. The question is this. What if you get what you ask for? What if you get what you ask for? What would you do with that? I mean, Bartimaeus' response was to pick up and follow Jesus, but, but if God answered your prayer regarding your health or situation with your kids or situation with your job, your workplace, situation in your relationships, addictions, whatever it is that you're bringing to Jesus. What if Jesus answers your prayer? Would you let people know what he's done for you? Would you pick up and follow Jesus? Sometimes we'll pray for somebody and then, you know, some really, God really responds to healing or works their lives. Says, hey, how you been feeling? Say, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, I, I think I got some new medication that really seems to be making a difference. I'm like, come on. Jesus did something in there. Give God the credit. Right? What would you do if Jesus answered what you're asking for? Maybe your questions are more like, you know, God, are you real? Jesus, can I really trust you? Is this, is this really for real? And then he answers, yes, I'm real. I'm here. I care about you. I'm working in your life. What then? Would you put your full faith and trust in him or would you keep playing the skeptic? Would you find another set of excuses? I think some of us are afraid to ask questions of Jesus because we're afraid of the answers and we're afraid of the follow-up decision, right? If Jesus really does meet that need that I have in my life, or if he really does answer that question that I'm asking in my life, I'm going to have to respond. It's going to force a decision. I have to engage with what he's saying. I might have to make a change, do something different, have that hard conversation, forgive that loved one, that parent or my ex or that person in my life, I might have to, if Jesus is real and he's really inviting me, I'm going to have to do something that's going to not necessarily be easy in my life. 
Maybe last week after hearing our missionary guests, you're, you're like, Jesus, are you calling me to the mission field? Or are you calling me to Christian service in some way? And, and what if he says yes, then you're going to have to either obey or disobey. So it's just easier not to ask the question. Most of us don't even want to know the answer. And of course, we can say, well, it's easy for Bartimaeus, Brian. It's easy for him. He's got nothing to lose. I mean, the rest of his life looks kind of bleak. It's easy for him. Maybe. But just think about this. He's healed. Think about being in his sandals. You've just been dramatically, instantaneously, miraculously healed. You can see for the first time, maybe ever, or maybe the first time in a long time. You could now go connect, reconnect with your family and your friends, and you could get a job and finally, you know, start developing a life for yourself and establish a 401k and save up and get, you know, a down payment for a house and buy a car. I mean, you could finally live a normal life like everybody else. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, finally, I could just go be normal like everyone. That's, that's the option for him. But instead, he ups and follows Jesus. I think most of us would be more likely to be the, thanks Jesus, gotta go, boom. Now, who knows? Maybe, maybe this was just for the day. I, we don't know. I don't want to put too much in that, but he upped and followed Jesus. Following Jesus for Bartimaeus showed that he, he didn't want to be restored to an ordinary life. He didn't want it just to be normal. He wanted a new life, a life with Jesus. And I wonder about you. Worship team, I'm going to invite you back to the platform to lead us in our song for communion. What about you? Do you know what you want? Do you know what you want? Are you willing to embarrass yourself a little to encounter Jesus? And what if you get what you're asking for? How would you respond to the work of Jesus in your life? Shortly after this encounter, the things kind of wrap up in Jerusalem and it kind of comes to a head and Jesus has, has gathered with his disciples. They've seen all his miracles. They've, they've walked with him. They've seen him heal people, they've seen him feed thousands, they've seen him walk on the water, they've they've seen him calm storms, they've they've heard him teach and challenge them with parables. They watched how he's encountered, dealt with people compassionately, he's put hard challenges out, he's they've observed this for three years, and all of a sudden Jesus says, It's Passover, I want you guys to go get the get the table ready. Get the Passover meal ready. We're gonna have Passover together, which they had done before and they're excited but they're in Jerusalem and he so they they Jesus is tells them how, how to go set it up and there's a room that they get and it's they go up there they're going to gather and all of a sudden Jesus starts turning things pretty pretty solemn for them he starts telling them one of you is going to betray me 
one of you is going to turn on me? They're like, no, 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 Lord, we would never do that. Oh, yeah. One of those that have followed them all those three years. And there's her having this meal together. Mark 14, 22, Jesus says, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it and he broke it in pieces and he gave it to the disciples. He's saying, take it. This is my body. What? And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it and he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. All that preparation came to this moment. What we call the Last Supper. Jesus is about to be betrayed, arrested, tried, tortured crucified, laid in a tomb, raised to life. really tells me there's some decision points. Anybody that was going to follow Jesus in the flesh, they had their opportunity. We have this kind of new covenant that Jesus that talks about, this new agreement that there's a, it's by faith. By our faith in God's grace to forgive us, cleanse us from our sin, make us in right relationship with God. We can approach Him anytime in full confidence and full assurance. We can follow Him that way. But for these guys, it came to this moment. I'm sure they thought through, they were thinking through all these experiences they'd had. I invite the deacons to... Uh, Approach the tables. We have three tables for communions today. We're, we'll meet at stations. If uh, you take gluten-free elements, they're at the back table. The way we do this here uh, today is uh, as you're ready, we're just going to do one song together. And as you're ready, just pick one of the tables to go to. You'll receive the bread. You'll receive the juice. You might want to do this on your own or with a, a group of friends or family around you and to receive the body of Christ that was broken for you and the blood of Jesus, that was poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins and to to secure a new agreement, a new covenant. But I want you to be thinking about Bartimaeus. Be thinking about this encounter with Jesus. Think, Jesus, do it. If I had faith to trust you, what would I ask you for? What would I ask, what would I bring to you? And I, I don't want you to say, Oh, I don't, I don't need anything from Jesus. Yes, you do. We all do. And to say, Jesus, am I willing to embarrass myself a little if it comes to that? If I have to make a little noise to get through the crowd in my life, would you do that? And then, what if it happens? What if Jesus answers your prayer? How are you going to respond to him from there? Will you stand with me as I, I pray and then release you to the communion tables? Jesus, I just, I just love how you loved. I just loved how compassionate you, you, you worked with the, the people. I just love how 
You sought wholeness and healing. You came to bring life in all its abundance. You came to restore what what the enemy had stolen from people physically and relationally and all those different ways. Jesus, you're the God of reconciling. You're the God of restoring. And I just thank you for that. And Lord, I don't want to just live under your blessing and, and live it for myself and ignore what you want to do in our lives. Jesus, I want to be able to, to yield my life to you and surrender to you. And Lord, I know that's the prayer of so many in this room today. So as we share communion together, Lord Jesus, would you give us ears to hear you, spiritual ears to hear, spiritual eyes to see, so that we would be quick to respond to you. So church, as you as you go to the table, remember the bread represents, it's just representative, it doesn't really become the flesh, it's representative of the body of Christ, broken for you so you could be made whole. And the blood of Jesus poured out for you so you can have new life in Him now and forever. God, we thank you for the privilege that it is to celebrate together. Amen.